It's time for Girls in Golf Podcast with your favorite hosts, Lex and Sarah. Ladies, when you're ready. Welcome to Girls in Golf. I'm Lex, joined by Sarah, and you can't see her, but today she has her uh, little cat, Lolly, on her lap. Um, and today's guest has golf in her veins. By her maiden name, you probably know that she has a famous left-handed brother, but she's also an accomplished golf writer, and she works with Four Magazine. She's a PGA ambassador at Santa Luz Club with more knowledge of the golf swing than I have The Bachelor, and that is saying a lot. You may have seen some of her instruction and writing on our website recently, and you're definitely going to see a lot more of her moving forward. It's Tina mickelson Tapasio. Welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. So, Tina, we um, wanted to talk to you a little bit today about both golf and your writing. So we know golf has been a major part of your life, your entire life. Uh, you were taught by your dad and same thing with your siblings. Um, and you've stayed in and around the game um, basically your whole life. But we wanted to know, what about your writing? Um, when did you know that you liked to write and wanted to pursue that? Um, you know, that's a that's a great question. I'm not really sure. It started with me feeling a need to, um, when my kids were very, very young, um, make light of some of the things that were more difficult uh, in terms of having two young kids. And so I would go to Facebook and make a little post about something that happened that day, but try to make it um, not as dark and terrible as when we actually went through it. Like when your toddler goes up and smears his ice cream cone on a stranger's shirt, things like that. It's horrific when you're going through it, especially if it's chocolate ice cream. And when you go back home, I try to just basically make it a little lighter. So when I go back and read it, it's, it both reminds me of what was going on at the time, but also is not as um, horrible as when we're actually going through it. So I would post a little something on Facebook, and, and the idea was also to compile all of these later for my kids. And so they have their memories. And people started to make comments like, on the writing and it surprised me and I thought you know oh they're just being nice or people are so used to seeing people brag about things it's just refreshing on Facebook not to see that I guess but then I started to get writing opportunities from magazines and websites and so I thought okay sure this would be fun and so I would just start writing about anything that kind of came to mind and it just kind of took off from there. There was no intention. I didn't set out to do it. It just evolved and I'm having the best time doing it. It's a lot of fun. Was there anyone that you looked to to help you develop your writing style? I know you said it's to kind of put a light, a lighthearted feel on, on these dark times as you would call them or dark moments um, to kind of loosen the situation. Not really. It was more a mind frame that I would have to get into when I was writing. So it's almost like I'm storytelling, but it's not really me talking about my kids. It's just me trying to create some sort of narrative in a different frame of mind. I know that kind of 
sounds like I'm rambling, but it's the best way I know how to explain that. What about, you know, golf, not golf, but writing is a very creative thing. And golf is, you know, pretty straightforward once you get the mechanics down. Did you like, were there other people in your family that were creative? Or did you tap into that ever when you were younger? My mom is very creative in decorating and putting parties together and colors and things like that. I never got that. I cannot decorate a house to save my life. And all of the, you know, holiday decorations and everything. No, I'm not good at that at all. So I've never really considered myself to be very creative. This was this just happened to be an outlet where I speak. It's almost like acting, I guess, you know, people like to go into a different character that is almost an escape. It's kind of the same thing when I'm writing, I'm not writing as myself, I'm writing with just the kind of um, attitude that is an escape for me. And if I spoke like this to other people in a conversation, I might not get away with it. But I'm writing and it's not really me. So I just kind of let it go. But it's it's not the way I speak to people. So I, I don't know how that came about. Is there a piece that has always stuck with you and you would consider one of your best? I like the piece. I like how the piece ended up um, that is called uh, Women in Golf or Gender and Golf. And so it talks about basically what it's like to be a female in a male dominated industry. And to be quite honest, it's not bad. It doesn't have to be a negative, I think. A lot of women, myself included, I used to be, uh, have this mind frame that you have to be like guys to be treated equally. And that is not true. You can embrace your own strengths and the way you approach things. And equal doesn't have to mean the same. You can be very different and you can still be equal and treated equally. And I've been lucky enough to have wonderful experiences with those that I have worked with. The misperceptions I've run across have basically been from uh, the public, um, customers or men who would come into the golf shop and see me and a person, a man next to me, and just assume that the man is the golf professional when he might be the cart guy or whatever. So I think if we as women can understand, this is just a perception men have had. It's nothing personal. And then once they get to know you and the situation and the fact that, oh, she is the golf professional. Okay. You're the one they're going to start asking questions from now on. It doesn't have to be the minute someone walks in I have to be looked at as equal or the golf professional. Take all the all the personal feelings out of it and treat the situation as it is and move forward. Yeah, I think you make a good point. It's, you know, the people, especially golfers who have been around clubs for a long time are probably it's more of just like a habit, right? It's not it's really not about you. 
it's they're just reacting to what they know. But it is much more common for women to be the golf pros these days. Have you um, talked to like fellow female pros and that have had the same experience? I have. And the female professionals that I come across in the Southern California PGA of America are all so professional and bright and interesting. And they bring such a different perspective to the game and how to grow the game for beginners, women, and experienced male golfers. All, all the, the same and varying ability levels. So my experience with women here has been that they take the same approach. They're very professional. They don't take things personally. They just want to enjoy this great game of golf and help others enjoy it as well. So my experience, and I feel like I've been a little sheltered, but my experience has been quite wonderful with all of my fellow male PGA professionals and females. We're, we're very lucky here. So what do you love about teaching people the game? Um, I love that question because it reminds me of being back in college. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to pursue a playing career. I would have had a lot of um, work to do in order to get to that level, but I was trying to make a decision. And one day I took some friends of mine out to the driving range and we were just going to hit some balls. And one of my friends was having trouble with his golf swing. And I remember giving him just a little tip. He hit a really good shot and the look on his face and how happy he was and how he couldn't wait to come back and hit more balls. That was really fulfilling. And I realized in that moment that this is more fun for me and more, um, I just, it's more fulfilling than when I hit a good shot myself. So I thought, Let, let's think about this. I think maybe I want to give teaching a chance. And the longevity of that career is obviously much longer. And I really enjoy being at the golf course and in the golf shop. And so getting my PGA membership out at Steel Canyon Golf Club under Jeff Johnson was probably one of the most memorable and enjoyable times in my career because I knew what I wanted to do. I was under the one of the best professionals you could ever learn under. And um, I, I just felt like this is I'm on my way. And it, it was really a great experience. What's the longest you've ever had a student? Because like I, I as someone who has done a lot of lessons, I did dance lessons, I've done guitar lessons, I did band, like I did all these things, but I never really stuck with my golf lessons. Have you ever taken someone, you know, from like a double digit to single handicap? I have. Um, and to be honest, one of my favorite experiences has been that um, I've had working out at the Santa Luz Club, I've had women members come to events with their husbands, spouses, partners. And as we're talking about the game and the fact that, oh, you know, welcome to the club, the women will say, oh, thank you so much, but I don't play. This is for my husband. I have zero interest in the game of golf. 
And so it's always fun because the membership director and I will look at each other and wink and say, okay, that's the one we're going to target. And so we will plan special clinics based on personality and just have a great time, have cocktails, appetizers, and a great lesson followed by the social aspect because that's a big part of the game of golf. And by the end of that day, you have these women now making tea times with each other and signing up for the next clinic. So to answer your question, there's been numerous women who not even was a were double digit handicaps. These are women who swore they would never play the game. And now they're out there every Tuesday some of them are single handicaps, some of them almost, and they are just addicted. And they play in every event at the club, and they're having a great time. So there's two approaches when you're teaching. One, obviously, is to help them improve their golf swing and their golf game in general. But number two, it's to increase the enjoyment level for them so that they can't wait to get out to the course again. Out of all the people that you teach, is there a group that you prefer? Um, and by that, I mean, do you like teaching kids or women or men or just adults in general? Is there one specific group that you really enjoy the most? I love that question. Uh, the answer is no. The golf swing itself doesn't discriminate. The golf swing is the golf swing whether you're male, female, junior, beginner, advanced, and everybody has their own unique golf swing. So everybody's bringing something different to the lesson and it's like a puzzle. It's trying to figure out what their natural tendencies are and understanding, okay, this is something they'll battle their whole life. I have certain things in my swing I'm, I'm still battling that I used to battle at age six. And that's okay. You need to figure out what those things are, what is the root of the problem of the golf swing, address it, and uh, watch them reap the benefits of that. So no, in terms of the golf swing, no. I really do enjoy bringing in new people who are either intimidated by the game or again, swear they'd never play it and try to get some sort of excitement and enjoyment level so that they're coming back. You know, obviously as a teacher and you can just hear it from the way that you talk about your students and about golf, you love to bring people in for fun, right? But you do come from a competitive family. So what does competition look like for you guys these days? And follow up to that, have you transferred any sort of love of competition to your kids? So, yes. Um, we've always been a very competitive family, and that's been mentioned many times. Um, so, yes, very competitive family. And I think for us, that's what adds to the enjoyment level of the game because we all enjoy getting better, right? So you can't wait to go practice what you learned in your last lesson so you can start hitting the ball better. And of course, that's going to be more enjoyable. So I remember as a kid, I could not wait to get out there and hit balls and just grind and practice so that I could see the improvement out on the golf course. And I, I think as kids, our secret goal 
for all of us was to beat our dad. And the one day we actually beat our dad, we arrived. So it was, that was our one approach to the game that was the most competitive in nature was playing against our dad. But that competitive nature wasn't just on the golf course. It was through everything we did, who could set the table faster, who could, whatever it was, it was a competition. And so I think in the game of golf, you bring that competition into your experience. And if you're a competitive person, it makes the game a lot more fun. If you're not a competitive person, which apparently they exist, there's people out there who are not competitive, I don't know if I've met one, but I'm certainly not related to one. But if you're not a competitive person, then that's not going to add to your enjoyment level. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's fun for me. The competitive nature is a lot of fun, especially when you are competing against people, brothers you've grown up with and have known your whole life. Have you, have your kids started junior golf or junior sports? Um, yes. So we take them out to a golf course here in San Diego. Bob Madsen, PGA golf professional, has been taking them under his wing. They also, there's also a, um, a little junior clinic that they would go to. It's very noncommittal. You show up or you're not. And the kids love that. They don't want to hear from their mom, the person who tells them, take a shower, eat your vegetables, strengthen your grip, don't lift your head. They don't want to hear it from me. And I'm not even going to try. I want them to enjoy the game and we can go out together and have fun. But if someone's going to teach them the actual golf swing, that's not going to be me. So it's... Um, yeah, it's it's not something I want to attempt. So do you feel that junior golf allows for equal opportunity for both boys and girls? I, I absolutely do. <clears throat> yes, growing up, I played in San Diego Junior Golf, and the interest level for girls was way less than boys. The amount of girls competing in the golf tournaments was way less than boys. However, I felt like we still had the level, the same level of commitment as the boys did. There was just less interest. And so it seemed like there was less uh, resources provided to us. That was not the case, though. Looking outside in, it might have looked like it, but no, that was not the case. So I feel like the resources go where the interest level is. And I feel like we've been having such an increase in junior girls and young women playing the game that they are getting many more resources than when I was their age, just because there's that interest level and, and the support for girls to get into the game. So what would you say grew that interest level um, from when you first started to now? There's many more women and girls in the game. I think there's a number of things. Number one, awareness that this is not just a boys or a men's sport. Number two, 
I know that when we were growing up, my, my dad was very interested in getting all of us kids involved in the game of golf and having two brothers. My dad never treated me as the girl or my one daughter and my two sons. It was, I have three kids. He treated us all the same. I had to be able to change my oil on the car before I could go for my driving test, just like my brothers did. So I don't think that was super common back in those days though. So as we grow up, we have more fathers bringing their daughters to the golf course. We have more resources available. We have golf clubs trying to grow the game and realizing that the area that we have the most opportunity for growth is with girls and women. And so I think there's many different reasons. There's more girls and women playing the game today and all of them are good. So, you know, like you said, there, there are a lot more women involved which is great and we've seen a boom in like the women's college golf their televised tournaments which is amazing and we've seen more of those girls I think go on to at least the Symmetra tour or Q school or something of that to try and get to the LPGA tour but I do feel like there are some girls and speaking as someone who played high school golf who kind of like drop off you know, when they're becoming young professionals or college students, and there's a lot of college scholarships for women's golf that don't go used. Do you think, what do you think you can do to keep them in the game? I think the less pressure we put on these young athletes, the better. I've had more friends and people that I've known drop out of the game because of the pressure they felt from their parents. They simply got burned out and either rebelled or just were no longer interested in the game because it was just too much pressure for them. I think if this is something a junior athlete wants to pursue, that's great. Support them. Don't push them. And that's a very fine line for a lot of parents, especially who really just want the best for their kids. So I understand, you know, why there's that level of intensity. But I think that is a a really important age to support the junior athlete rather than push them because golf isn't the only sport that I've noticed a lot of athletes do just drop out because now they're out from under the thumb of their parents and they're not going to do that anymore because they don't have to. Let's talk a little bit about like the golf industry as a whole. Um, you know, you've been at Santa, Santa Luz and a few other clubs and you're a Callaway ambassador. And so you've seen, you know, people like Sarah and I come into the company um, and there's a lot more careers I feel like, or at least women are coming into them. Do you, is that something that has changed over time? I think so because, well, yes. And I feel the reason is again, because we're growing the game in the area of girls and women, you have a lot more perspectives that you want to bring into the golf industry, whether it be um, magazines, 
golf club manufacturing companies, certain uh, private clubs. You want to make sure that you are making available the resources and the perks and the information and everything needed to support these women and girls in the game. So, so yeah, I've seen the amount of importance grow in terms of bringing women into this industry. Um, it, it just helps grow the game in, in so many areas, not just women, but their different perspectives are, um, are great additions. So what's your hope for golf as a whole in the next decade? Well, that's a, I just hope we're around for another decade the way things are going. And so having said that, golf is such a, a an escape. It's a release. Right now, especially during COVID, it's so nice to be able to get outside and play the game, even though it's under different conditions. It's just a, a very nice release. It's also a great way to spend time socially with others. Right now it's distanced. That's fine. You're still able to share this wonderful game, the outdoors with people you want to be around. So my hope over the next 10 years is that this continues, obviously, and as many people as possible are able to appreciate and enjoy this great game. So I guess in short, all those people who want to play the game or who have thought of picking up the game, I hope they do because there's so many benefits. And then those who don't play as much as they would like or as much as they should, I hope they increase the amount that they play. And because it's so healthy and good for people, I just hope that it grows and grows and grows. We definitely do too. And I think we've seen that people, you know, obviously in the state of the world, they can't go on vacation and stuff. And so they're channeling their money or their need to get out into something else. And that happens to be golf, which we're very happy about. And that's why um, we went ahead and launched the Big Bertha Clubs and Big Bertha Rebo, which we've had great feedback about from, um, you know, not only yourself, but also other female golfers. So we will hopefully keep getting people into the game and we'll check in in 10 years and see where we're at. Right. I love it. There you go. <laughs> um, hopefully a little sooner than that, but well, well definitely sooner because we work together. But, uh, <laughs> before we let you go, this is, we're recording this in the morning and we're all, you know, in our sweats and hanging out, which is why you're not seeing us. But you have said before you run on copy and we all know that Phil runs on copy. He just launched, launched his, um, his own copy. But with if you're excluding your brothers and your family tied to Phil's coffee, do you have a favorite local coffee in San Diego or a favorite like flavor, like a Colombian roast or um, what's the Hawaiian one? Um, oh, the Kona? Kona, like Kona blends or something that you can share with everyone. I love uh, bird rock coffee. Um, we, that, that's a given, uh, Phil and I, that we love to meet there, the one in, um, Carmel Valley area, we'll meet there for coffee. We'll do our Torrey Pines hike and then we'll come back for another coffee. It's just the best. I like a dark blend. Um, and I am bad. I will do a lot of cream and a lot of sugar. Um, 
I, I'm sorry. I just don't like drinking it black, even though uh, I, I, I'm told that it's the way to go, but I, yeah, bird rock coffee. We've got a lot of really good little um, specialty coffee places in North park, which is great. But if you're talking a place that, you know, most people are going to have heard of or can relate to. Yeah. It's, um, it's my favorite. I love it. Well, now everybody knows where to find you. Maybe we'll bleep it out. So you guys don't get interrupted on your morning coffee, especially around the U S open. But um, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast with Tina. You can see um, some of her blog posts on our website and in Four Magazine, and you will be seeing a lot more of her in the Callaway community, which if you're not signed up for that, go to community.callawaygolf.com. Sign up. It's free. You get instruction. You get Q&As. And there's giveaways, which is super fun. And if you want to follow Tina on Instagram or Twitter, it's at Tina underscore Mickelson PGA and at Tina Mickelson. Tina, I hope you have a great um, rest of your day and we will see you soon. Thank you so much. This was so fun talking to you guys. <laughs>